Athena, Bobby, and the 118 speed to the rescue to save a family whose pickup truck has been rigged with a pipe bomb, which will detonate if the vehicle slows under 55 miles an hour. Meanwhile, Eddie has a rough transition into his new job, Buck makes an impulsive relationship decision, and Penn is reluctant to accept her new partner in Chimney's absence. Hey everyone, it's Mel. And it's Adele. It is good to be back in our home turf of just normal 911. It's so good to be here. But if you do want to hear a little bit of our thoughts on the Lone Star episodes, um, Del and I just actually filmed a bonus episode because we had so many emails from a faithful listener named Susie. And so we made her a little bonus episode. Susie is apparently our number one fan. So thank you, Susie, for (laughs) giving us content <laughs> validation I don't, yeah i don't know what we're going for here okay but we are back now it's been three months since wrapped in red even though we did not even do an episode on that del and i um both got really busy with this semester in college uh but we are super excited to be back with um our loving 118 family and their respective partners Okay, so um, before we start talking about the actual episode, I want to talk about the director of the episode, <laughs> because um, me and Mel did a little deep dive on her, so you were interested, and um, she- she's, a, she's a stunt person. She's, she's not a director, she's a stunt person. So her name is um, Shauna Duggins, and she is best friends and the personal double and friend of Jennifer Gardner. Which, I think it's very funny that they really want she is friends and also the personal double of Jen. that's so fun um but she's actually been the stunt coordinator for seasons four and five isn't that literally so cool like and and this is her first directing debut and so Dell, with this information it actually kind of makes sense the way that uh, actresses took certain scenes oh my god megan west if she was the director, it makes sense why, like, some people who I know have a bigger range than what they did on that episode. Because I've seen Megan in other shows, and she blows me away. I, that, like, because I, that just, that makes sense to me. That it had to be a directing choice. Um, it, do, it does make a little sense. Um, so anyways, uh, I hope she does more in the future, because for a, director, a directorial debut pretty good it was a good episode i really enjoyed it that's a mixed review that is a controversial opinion apparently but yeah uh, we both actually really did enjoy the episode um the ratings for the episode um by the way in case you're wondering this is the tied for third highest episode of the season Mm -hmm. so So... the first the first one's desperate times it has 5.45 million um, and then Wrapped in Red has 5.39 million. And then, like Del said, tied for third. You have um, Passes Prologue, or pa- Passing Prologue and uh, Outside Looking In at 5.37 million. So, um, as you can tell, we did do our research this week. Um, <laughs> thank you, Del Mel, of about uh, an hour and 20 minutes ago. <laughs> love for them. doing that, uh, for providing us these talking points. Um, uh, the writer for the episode, also Bob Goodman. Um, he wrote um, episode 8 of season 4, which is Breaking Point. Episode 12 of season 4, Treasure Hunt, which is my beloved. I love Treasure Hunt. 
Um, and then he also wrote Home and Away of this season, which was another good episode. He so- really he writes because um, Home and Away and um, Breaking Point and are, like all these episodes that he has written have a very strong Eddie personality, but they also do have a very strong Taylor Kelly personality. Like in Treasure Hunt, like she's very prominent in the story and her Buck and Eddie bounce off each other. Oh my God, is Bob Goodman a Taylor Kelly stand? I think he, like, and I really did like the writing he has for, um, like, the directing for that one since the end was f- fun. Um, but the writing of uh, Buck and Taylor's, like, talking at the family dinner, talking at um, the uh, at the end of the episode, it, I felt like it really flowed. I feel like he's doing a good job. I think we should implement this as a new segment. We've been trying to figure out how to format the podcast because a lot of times we just go into it absolutely blind and then don't know what to do yeah um so uh, if if we start implementing segments slowly that's because we're starting to put effort into it you'll know (laughs) you'll know Uh, this episode had three storylines and listen i've been watching the victorious 14-hour documentary on youtube and so now my brain is thinking okay what's the a plot what's the b plot what's the c plot so hear me out the a plot's eddie the b plot is buck and the c plot is jonah makes sense so let's talk about it c through a we'll go backwards through the alphabet i know how to say the alphabet backwards that's a special skill i have that means if you ever get pulled over for drunk driving you can be like nah 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 officer don't worry z y I memorized it in first grade because it was written on my name tag, uh, like the name tags on the desks where they gave it, like the alphabet. I just went, hmm, that'd be fun. And I did it instead of doing classwork. Um, yeah, just, just to prove I can. Um, Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. Thank you. I'll be here all night. Ow. Okay, so Jonah. Uh, it was very interesting. So the first call was a quinceanera. Um, oh my gosh. Sorry. I, I So we're all very deep in like the behind the scenes. Especially me. Like I follow PAs on Instagram. I follow them like just on various social medias. So I know what's going on before like literally most of the fandom. Um, and a lot of other people who do follow the same people I do. Yeah, Mel does send us all of our information. <laughs> and um, when they were filming the quinceanera, um, back at the beginning of the year, um, and my I started doing mental math. Of, okay, Eddie said he had a 12-year-old niece in season two. It has been three years since season two. She is now 15. This would be her quinceanera. Um, we know that Eddie has a niece, and maybe she's probably in L.A. unless she was visiting because he talks about how um, she's the one that took the photo. She's the one that did the editing, except we never see Adriana or Sophia um, unless it's at Shannon's like wake. But you don't know who's who. Anyway, um, I thought and I convinced everyone else. I was like, what if this is Eddie's nieces, Quinceanera, because the timeline matches up. I was a fool to say that there is a timeline in this show. There's not one. There's not one. Don't know why you try. Except um, we do know that it's been three months. It's been three months since Eddie left the 118. Um, That's fine. 
they've been swapping through replacements ever since. Um, because obviously Eddie leaving the 118 not only left Buck without a partner, but also left um, Hen without one. So we're down a couple people here. Yeah. Because they can't keep borrowing Robbie from B-Shift forever. Unfortunately. And here's something that they began doing in now in one. Um, and I talked about in the bonus episodes. If you want to hear more about it, go listen to that. But they began bringing in more um, actual firefighter terms, like fire department terms, like temps, where you bring people from other stations to cover shifts. Um, because it's not, it's not usually the B shift. It's usually someone from another station um, because B shift needs to go sleep. Like, like they can, but it's usually in a different firehouse. Even whenever they had Lena um, in the first... I almost said the first episode, and then I wanted to change it to the first season. Lena wasn't in either of those um, in the Tsunami Mm -hmm. arc. Yeah. And then the lawsuit arc, um, they call her a transfer from another station. They don't say that she's a temp. They don't say, they just say, oh, she's here because her station was in the Tsunami. Yeah. So Um, it's nice to see actual, like, temps. But uh, Jonah, this is the first time we see him. Or Monday, as Hen calls him. Monday. I think that should stick around. I think you should be Monday. I think that'd be fun and funky. Because um, everybody has a nickname. Because no, nobody's called by their full name here. Um, oh. Except for Ravi. Unless they and continually the call Proby. him. They, I, I guess they call him Proby. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, this is the first time we see him. And uh, he's on the roof with Hen. And Hen is just not happy. Hen's she's very dismiss- d- dismissive of him. She doesn't want him to be there. I don't blame her, honestly. If I worked a job with my best friend for, you ready for this, 13 years, that, yeah. that's, the, that's the day they say. I remembered it because it stuck in my brain. Uh, they, we've, I, we've been how, fishing what, for timeline how, pieces. How old is Denny? I think the same age as Chris. Okay. So that means that she did not meet Karen for about two years till she joined the the one eighteen. Um, because he's like he's ten, eleven, so at least three to two years she was with Eva, and then they had Denny and Hen. Karen is somewhere in that. Sorry, there's just this really like it's, it's a little it's a little murky in the middle there. It's fine. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, I also say that in the synopsis, it talks about how Hen is reluctant to accept a new partner. And then when they describe Jonah in some of the articles, uh, which I do hate, I do hate these articles. Uh, but they say like he is very like by the book. He's da 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 da. They paint a very negative picture of him. But then you meet him in the show, and he's not like that at all. I mean, to be fair, we don't really know him yet. In the, in the um, one we've seen him so far, he's not what they told us. Um, I, I wouldn't put it past them to start pushing that because Chim does come back very soon. Yeah. Um, so they have to have some kind of... Conflict? Yeah, to get Jonah out of there to put Chim back. 
And I, listen, Jonah was, I think, actually, like, super adorable in the bar scene where he's talking to Hen, and he's like, the 118's the dream team, and I just, I really want to be in it, and it'd just be really awesome, like, this is my dream come true. Also, I hear that you, like, break the rules a little, and I do really appreciate that, like, I think you're really cool. You know, he's, like, fanboying over the 118 and Hen specifically. I love the concept that the 118 is known for doing dangerous things, as if that, you know what? That would make the uh, thing about how the districting of where they end up on calls doesn't make any sense because they don't have one. They just go where the dangerous thing is. They go, The dispatch center goes, you know what? You go where you need it. And they, they go, oh, a man fell off a cliff. Hello, Bobby Dash? <laughs> Direct line. Oh. But I... I do really enjoy that aspect. And you know what? What's really funny? Lena got out there so quickly. As soon as her station was open again, she was out of there. Even though it's, like, the best team to be on, she cannot deal with their, like, their shenanigans. I, I'd like to think I'd fit in at the 118. I think I would get so annoyed. <laughs> I'd be like, guys, let's just do our job. Robbie just goes back to the B shift, and he's like, guys, I missed you so much. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> Oh my god, wait, I don't think I ever told you this. So um we did a master class in um or not really not really master class, um in my musical theater dance class that I take because I am a musical theater major. Um and uh we did a combination from the Tina Turner musical um that my teacher uh, was the dance captain for when he was on like a cruise or something like that because all the people who teach theater stuff are all like people from the industry mm-hmm. um and he just like facetimed someone who was he's like i'm gonna see if anyone who like did it with me on the cruise is like available right now he facetimed this girl um and he was like this is one of the people who performed with me on this cruise ship for a while she's a badass firefighter in new york now and i went what the fuck <laughs> I love that for her. I was just, I was I was shocked because I was like, "What you left you left for you left theater to be a firefighter?" Okay, so okay. I think about this all the time. Like, I could be a firefighter. I do not have the upper body strength or like the uh, like the physical capacity to be a firefighter. But I'm like, if Bobby can do it, I can do it. They're all actors, and I have to remind myself that. Concept. Yeah. I think I could physically. I am a, a fairly strong person, but I'm also built like, yeah, in the athletic way, not in like the I lift people over my back way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't carry sixty pounds of gear running up and down stairs for days on end. I know I physically cannot do that. I can do like the Twitter work that I mean, <laughs> the I can't say the word L A F D liaison. 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 Yeah. That's what, uh, that's what, um, Josh. No, I was going to say JJ in Criminal Minds was. Oh. She was their, she was their, uh, AJ Cook is coming in, guys. AJ Cook. I miss her, my beloved. Okay. Uh, but that's Jonah's whole thing. And And then he gets permanently joined to the 118. The end. Yeah. That's the C thing. B. We do have um, Buck. Oh, Evan Buckley. So I, I was talking because we, when they came out with like the synopsis, we all immediately went, "Buck is going to cheat," 
And then I was talking in uh, our group chat, uh, which consists of a bunch of different, like, now I want TikTokers. And we definitely talked about this group chat before in this podcast. And everyone who listens to this podcast is definitely aware that there is a group chat. Um. Yeah. And so I was talking in this group chat and I was making a joke and I was like, um, Buck is cheating on Taylor because he had like has abandonment issues and like I kind of went off a little and then I said in this essay I you know like ended it like that as a joke and Buckley please who we all call BP is like write it I was writing an actual essay that was due and I said you know what screw that then I proceeded to outline a full essay talking about the psychological behavior behind cheating which then turned into the psychological behavior that stems from abandonment issues that stands from attachment theory and horrible parenting and commitment issues and just like wrote a whole thesis and outline of why I'm in Buckley the way the way he is which to me helped me really understand this episode versus people who were just like I don't like cheater buck to me I was like I don't like cheater storylines but psychologically it makes sense you don't have to even like give me the whole episode essay for me to go ah yes of course that's why he's doing it because it makes sense yeah based on what we know about him um in that so um we start the episode but the first scene at the quinceanera where buck is like walking out after they rescue the guy um from the roof um and he's like waving at everyone he does a little bow is literally so adorable that is the reason that i'm i love evan buckley it felt like very season one evan buckley I, I I liked it. I thought it was very... I, it was I, a nice little treat. And for me. Listen, here's the thing with Evan Buckley, because I'm, like, I mentioned multiple times, mm-hmm. I'm rewatching season one, of course. Um, he doesn't have Eddie in season one. And so he's more interactive with the attention-seeking that he gets from these calls versus he's walking out and talking with Eddie and not really caring about anything else. Um. Yeah, so we go from that to... um the bar where uh or no we go to dinner we go to dinner yeah the bar is after the uh the speed um yeah we go to um we go go to dinner that the diaz residence where eddie is has learned to cook from linda who we love i feel like that is the worst thing they've done to eddie's character no no hold on I, i think that is the best thing and let me argue for cooking eddie okay Okay, I'll let you argue, but I won't agree with you. I think you should just not be able to cook ever. I think it's very funny. I think that's very funny, too. But I also think Eddie um, has grown up with sisters and grown up around very strong women. And so when Linda found out that he couldn't cook and then began giving him, like, hints and tricks of how to cook over the course of three months and, like, sat him down and taught him verbatim what he has to do... I think that's very adorable. And the fact that he cooks this amazing meal for his son, his boyfriend, and his boyfriend's girlfriend, I think is very adorable. And it, oh. it just re- it really shows that this man doesn't have anything else to do except for learn from powerful women. Like, Actually, like- you know what it feels like? Um, you know how in Wrapped in Red, um, Taylor's like, Buck, did you like burn the whatever, like frozen waffles or something like that? Like something really stupid? Mm-hmm. Even though we all know that Buck can cook. Um, and then suddenly Eddie can... So Buck can't cook and Eddie can cook in the one uh, TV show canon. But if you go to the fan fictions, it's the exact opposite. That's definitely a case of Tim read the fan fiction and then went, hmm, what if I didn't do that? So I actually, when that episode came out, um, 
let me see if I can find it. I do talk about, oh, so I talk about how I was saying like Buck can cook very fancy meals. That's his MO. You know, when he makes that meal for uh, his sister, it's very fancy. Waffles, just like frozen waffles in the toaster. I can see him burning them. That's not cooking. That's putting it on a toast setting and he definitely sets it for higher than he needs to. I'll buy it. He's a college kid who was in college for three months before dropping out. Mm. You know what? I did forget about that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, so he, uh, we go to this dinner scene, um, which uh, we get Eddie, which we'll touch on this more with Eddie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we get Eddie telling Buck that he's already moved on from literally everything because Buck just wants to know when Eddie's coming back to the 118. And and during the dinner scene as well, if I can add this on, um, Taylor has this little moment right after Eddie's like, after Buck says, you should cook this when you come back. Taylor and Eddie kind of have like this moment where they like lock eyes and then Eddie clears the table and Taylor like like tilts her head a little, like go after him, go talk to him. You know, I just wanted to point that out. I Cause I've edited this scene a bunch of times. Taylor definitely from the second she walked in there knew something was up with Eddie, mm-hmm. even though they have not spent that much time together in the show that we're aware of. Granted, <laughs> it could have happened off screen. And they might write all of their development happens off screen. I hate um, it. Yeah. And I do love that Buck told Taylor to eat before, <laughs> before getting there because Eddie can't cook. And so she's just like, wow, like, this is probably really good food, but my boyfriend told me that it was going to suck. I think Taylor definitely picked up on the fact that something's up with Eddie, and based on the way that he reacted immediately to Buck saying, when you get back to 118, um, she knew. She was like, he's, he's not planning on coming back. Yeah. That's it. She's, um, a, she's a great reporter. <laughs> she is so good at her job. And then, um, yeah, uh, we get the scene in the kitchen, um, this is kitchen scene part two because the first one is definitely Buck telling Eddie to have sex. Um, and uh, the second one here is Eddie going, I've already moved on. Like, why haven't you? Yeah. Um, and, and Eddie gets a little defensive too, where he's like, um, he. And Buck accidentally just presses a button or like scrapes at an old wound, like an open wound, and he's like, you like you're a firefighter and eddie's like i am a firefighter and that's and then eddie and then eddie and then evan brings up um fire marshal buck and it's kind of a throwback to like that whole lawsuit thing like he was just doing the bare minimum to get his job back um and he wasn't happy he wanted to be on active duty but when he found that that was taking too long then he sued we'll talk about this more with the eddie like the a plot but yeah (laughs) yeah so anyways um that happens to buck um and then uh from there we get this really epic speed homage uh to with sandra bullock yeah you know the movie speed hold on can i I, hold on sandra bullock and keanu not kanye reeves kanye reeves oh that came out very quickly sandra bullock Um, and reeves um 
anyways, uh, so we get that great scene. Um, it's a really good action sequence. They haven't done a really good one in a while. Because um, the director it. was the stunt person. Yeah, the director was the stunt person. Um, and uh, we get this really great scene where Buck and Lucy meet. And um, Buck does introduce himself to her as Evan Buckley of the 118. Um, which is kind of weird. Like, and really funny. So, um, then, you know, we find out that, um, Buck is being a little more cautious than Lucy is. He doesn't want to jump straight onto the truck. She does it first. He thinks that they should wait. She does not want to wait. And it's very much Buck, Buck whatever version update he's on. Uh, Buck 1.0. And yeah. Um, it's a very interesting dynamic to see because you know he's changed, but you don't really see it that much. But once you see him compared to someone who is mm-hmm. at the same place that he was, you can really tell. And then from there, um, we can't really talk about a whole lot of that scene without going into Eddie. So we're going to kind of bump past it to the bar. Um, where um... I, do, I, I do love this bar scene. I think it's fun. I think it's campy. Um, them just joking with Bobby they all just get along I miss these scenes the little fire fam I think we need more of them Um, it it feels definitely like a throwback season five really just feels like a throwback to multiple plot points in season one or feel of season one yes and here we have Bobby Hen and Buck who were like the core three for about four episodes of season one when Chimney was in a coma get all of them together and then Robbie is there too and Jonah and Lucy and, and Lucy. well Jonah's sitting by himself with other firefighters yeah there's a lot of other firefighters there there's a lot of people at this bar celebrating their great success at and they're the bomb the truck they're, bomb. they're making fun of Bobby for being from uh, uh, Minnesota Minnesota no yes yeah, yeah Minnesota um, they're bringing up beer they're bringing up cheese they're bringing up wheat they're just having fun you find out Lucy is a native um, Los Angeles person. You also find out a very um, a few things about Lucy in this scene. Um, you find out that she's the only fire person, only firefighter out of a family of police officers of um, LAPD. Very interesting characteristic uh, they've given her here. Now, here's the thing with with this. So I'm I'm picturing that she's also like the only daughter, and I could be wrong. But that's kind of the vibe it's giving me. Um, now all of her uncles and brothers and her dad are all like in the LAPD. And she didn't want that life. Um, but it's very interesting that they just gave us an episode in Lone Star of Red versus Blue. Showing that there is tension between um, the police officers uh, and the firefighters. And they touch briefly on that. And I'm wondering if they'll expand upon that in the 911 universe with Lucy being a firefighter and her family being police officers. I don't know if they will, because I feel like that's definitely something that they're going to throw away and maybe bring up one more time. I, I, that's that's I what they do. It's fun to find out that like Lucy's dad is like works with Athena or is Athena's boss or something like that. Mm. Just like to throw something at us. That might be something they do. Um, but, uh, yeah, we get all this stuff about Lucy. And then um, her and Buck are doing a little flirt. And Buck does look a little bit awkward. But he's also a Not little backing drunk. Up. 
all he has to do is say my girl just drop that hint of like i have a girlfriend and he never does i also i thought it would be fun if um on the the tv of the news report of the speed chase if it was taylor reporting on it because then it's like she is in the room in a way Mm. Uh, but then uh, probably Hen or Ravi or someone would have been like, look, Buck, it's your girlfriend. And uh, you know what Buck does? He gives, Lu- Lucy kisses him, and then he kisses back. And Lucy doesn't know about Taylor, that we know of. That we're aware of, she doesn't know about Taylor. So she um, she's not in the wrong. And then Buck says something to Hen about how he did tell Lucy that he had a girlfriend and then ran away. <laughs> Yeah, and we're just supposed to accept that Lucy now knows about Taylor. Um, so, uh, going back to what we were talking about, it makes a lot of sense that Buck would do this, because as we've just discussed, um, he not only has not been working with Eddie for three months and it felt like he lost him, they definitely have not talked about any of their shared trauma that has happened since season two. Yeah. They've been through a lot of shit together. Um, Maddie is not here. Chimney is not here. That was an issue in... The first half of season five, when Buck wanted to leave the 118, and um, Eddie told him, you're stuck with us. And then, uh, look where we are now. And then proceeded to actually leave the 118. And Taylor, during that whole time, was very patient and tried to do what she could to help him. um, Where he said, these awful things are all about me. And she kind of had to talk him down and be like, no, no, these awful things are not about you. But here are some things that are about you, like a, a free breakfast, like a very nice breakfast. And like, I, I did. I thought that was very cute and a very nice way of handling it because it's it's hard to know what someone's going through. And you're just trying your best at this point. Absolutely. And Taylor is doing her best here. Eddie is doing his best. On one, The whole 118 are like, Buck, it's not your fault. We all talked to uh, Chim, which we also didn't see that. I know there's a scene somewhere of Chim and Eddie talking where Shannon definitely got brought up, but it's fine. (laughs) Um, ah, I lost my train of thought. Oh, um, so all of them are trying their best to, um, like support Buck through this. And then, you know, Taylor starts going through that stuff with their dad and she has to leave. And that's obviously all these other people have already left him. He's definitely thinking about Abby, um, who left and never came back. And and Allie. Who Um, left when things got hard which is like no fault to her that's hard um so he follows taylor which not the best move um but completely in character for where he is emotionally and i didn't i didn't it made sense it's also very in character for taylor i feel like because taylor when she was also first introduced like lucy was said this is a female version of buck uh, that's kind of their mo they go here's a female version of eddie here's a female version of buck um and taylor has this kind of she's afraid people will leave her as well and so when she does say i love you to buck for the first time she's kind of testing the waters and buck has this look on his face that everyone's like oh he doesn't actually love her back i think he's caught so off guard that she said it so casually and just so in the moment we also have to remember from this um taylor um look she loves buck buck loves her they're in love um but he's never really had that before because the only other person you can think of that has loved him like that is abby um who did in fact just straight up leave him 
and um, he has a lack of affection from his parents. Um, so many other people are currently missing in his life. And then immediately after this happens, Eddie leaves. Yeah. And it's just this gaping hole. And he gets confronted with this woman who is very reminiscent of how he was. Um, Eddie tells him that he's moved on, but you should also move on, basically. <laughs> um, the actual line is... Um, you should move on. I have because I yeah. just edited that scene yeah. too. So he's he's very emotionally vulnerable again. He has been the entire season, and I know we're going to touch on the Eddie trauma later in the season, but I don't know how much of Bucks is going to be brought up, and I yeah. feel like it should be brought up alongside it. And I I do talk about how, uh, or I think we need to also understand that Buck is in this place where someone is giving him attention and because he's in a um a closed relationship with taylor i mean he's not neither of them are dating other people while they're seeing each other he hasn't had this um this person flirt with him like this to begin something because with taylor it's just like they're in love and they will just like flirt and be cute together and that's just kind of that's what you do when you're a couple Mm mm-hmm Here's someone who is seeing him for the first time and immediately flirting with him. And he likes this because he loves the attention, as we saw in the beginning of the episode at the King's Nana. And so he's in this most vulnerable place. He is drunk and um, he is definitely not thinking straight. Does that excuse his actions? Not no. really. It's just justifying that in character choice, which a lot of people yeah. are not happy about. They don't think that it was. Um, like I, I can be mad about Buck doing it, and I can be absolutely Buck, mad about it. But it's in character, and I'm not gonna be like, "Wow, that's so out of character," because it's it's not. Um, but I can be like, "Wow, like Taylor doesn't deserve to be lied to like this." Like I get why you did it. Like I understand the reasoning behind you, Evan Buckley. I do not condone it. <laughs> so immediately after the bar scene, we're just gonna move on past our little Buck monologue. We've we've said what we have to say. Um, after the bar scene, um, we get this Hen and Buck bonding moment Which in a car. It's so cute. I and loved it. Because you, Buck, they were both just drunk. Both, yeah, both drunk. And you have Hen going, you should tell her. No, wait, you shouldn't. He's like, I'm getting dizzy with this conversation. It very much gave me season one vibes of just big sister Hen and little bu- brother Buck just trying to figure out the world together. And it was, it was so nice. And I just thought it worked well. And obviously the first thing that Hen says to him is tell the truth, Buck. And then she's drunk. And she's like, wait, actually, it didn't work out great for me the first time. Don't tell the truth. And she's like, wait, actually, I've you can't had lie. same conversation for five seasons now. Please tell the truth. Yeah, he's like, you are a horrible liar. Do not lie. Um, and then there's also another little nugget, um, Hen and Buck scene, when back to the Jonah, when Jonah... Um, Oh, wait, this is later, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. Yeah, so um, we don't see Buck for a while. We do some other stuff. Um, no, I'm, am I right? No. No, I am. Am I? What are you saying? The, the scene where Hen's like, I was here first, Buck. That scene. Was that earlier in the episode or was that the end of the episode? I don't know what scene you're That's at the end. Never mind. That's at the end. I was like, I think that's the last scene. Yeah, that is the last scene. I was thinking those were two separate scenes. Continue. (laughs) Um, 
anyways, um, some stuff happens that doesn't have anything to do with Buck. Um, and then we get Buck in his apartment with Taylor. Taylor <laughs> is acting very weird. Um, it's it's a, it's some awkward acting choices. Um, but uh, Act- choices, it, director choices. It was just a very awkward scene. <laughs> it was a weird scene. Um, but Buck is going to tell her that he cheated on her. And he has a very awkward, like, you know, when you have, when you're going to tell someone something, confront someone about something, you're very awkward about it, very squirmy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's sitting her down and he's like, uh, I just don't want you to get hurt. And then he's, he's like building up this conversation. And she's like, where is this going? And then he's like, move in with me. And here's the thing. I think Taylor knows that something else is up, but um, she is in love with him. This is the first person that she feels so comfortable with to tell him yeah my dad killed my mom i've never told anyone that before and to be very vulnerable with him she's definitely viewing this relationship with rose colored glasses on she doesn't see the red flags and if she does she's ignoring them because i would rather have this relationship that is working than the truth taylor deserves better than buck right now yeah um and yeah, i um what if now this is I can see 911 doing this, but I can also see him not. What if Lucy and Taylor do know each other and Lucy is just trying to get back at Taylor or something like their roommates or their old roommates or something? Hmm. Uh, or um, her family, the police officers don't like Taylor because she gets in their investigations and she figures things out before they do. And so she knows that buck and taylor are dating and she kisses buck to try to do like try to get back at her or something i think that would be a fun storyline i can see season one doing that and because season five is leaning a little bit more season one-ish i can definitely see that happen okay so um, i'm gonna jump back to something that we did not put in our plot summary here um athena oh yeah (laughs) She's not, a, that's, that, that's part of like the B plot, but it's a sub B plot, you, you know, like it's B plot part A. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Athena, um, goes to an, a noise complaint, uh, something. I don't know what she was actually going to. She, she goes and an officer goes. To a disturbance? I don't know what, like what they were called to. Yeah. It was something. It doesn't matter. No, I, no I do remember. I do remember. Uh, the bomber called the police for trespassing. Mm. Okay. Um, Which I don't know why they sent a sergeant and Officer Williams. I don't know. Um, but anyways, Athena ends up on the lawn of this guy who is, for, for lack of a better descriptor, he basically lives in a junkyard. He's a hoarder. Uh, there's a lot of stuff all over the place um and the people of the neighborhood complain that his house is an eyesore and they want him to clean up and he does not want to do that these are his things he thinks he should be able to do what he wants with them on his property which yes (laughs) yeah to an extent yeah um uh and the complaint is about the people who are trying to get him to stop we then find out that in his pile of junk um someone tries to the guy tries to throw something away, like the guy who's in the yard complaining, and the guy who lives there is like, no, these are diodes, maybe. Yeah. Something. 
that uh, you need to build a bomb. Something that they not- did up earlier in that episode about how there was a homemade bomb made with that. Yeah. Not that we are, like, really aware that they were used to make a bomb, but that's what they are. They're for that thing. And um, then Athena notices that across the street, the people who were in the car from the car bombing um, are moving. And she starts putting the things together in her little police brain. And she makes the assumption that the guy across the street is the bomber because of some things that um, she picked up from in the conversations with the people in the car. Um, Some things that she picked up from just from interacting with that guy for like not even three minutes. Um, Just the, the general vibe of the situation, I guess. And she makes the call that she is going to go into that house and investigate for a possible bomber. And we have, this is the second house in the 911 universe that is a literal death trap with, like, literal traps. And you know what? It turns out Athena was right, again, because she's always right. And uh, the guy was the bomber, and he gets arrested. And um, this is the first time Athena has broken the law in this half of the season. First episode in? In 2022, Athena has now broken the law. Athena has broken the law in 2022. How many years can we keep it going? She 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 did not break the law in Lone Star. She did not. Um. So, this, uh, I, for those of you who don't follow us on TikTok, um, we made bingo sheets for um the this half of the season of 911 just to see how many things we can predict right, and um and it's just a fun little game that we're playing, and. On my bingo sheet, I have that Athena commits a crime, and I didn't cross it off for this, because I feel like she's committed worse crimes, and I'm waiting for a big one. I was just going to keep adding clown emojis over every time I get something right. Like, if, if Athena breaks the law multiple times, it's going to just be a bunch of clown emojis. So, I am waiting for a big crime. If no big crime happens... I will accept a smaller crime and I'll just it'll get crossed off off by the end of the season anyways because she's literally already committed a crime. I'm just waiting for a big one. The same way that I have two of my squares that I have one of them is Evan moment and he already called himself Evan Buckley in the season, but it wasn't an Evan moment. Yeah, so you know? so t- technically I could cross it off because he did say the name Evan, but it hasn't really been an Evan moment yet. So we're we're gonna hold off on that one. And I also have that Lucy and Buck parallel Eddie and Buck. And technically they did. Because their first interaction was, was a, a bomb. But like, uh, it, it doesn't really parallel. I'm waiting for a definite scene that is, this is Lucy and Buck paralleling Eddie and Buck. You cannot question it, kind of thing. Bell the parallels. The ones that I have crossed off um, is Five Alarm Fire, because Josh did like bring it up. That term has never been used before. Again, they're they're using like actual firefighter terms, and so that like shook me to my core when they said that. I was like, "Oh my goodness, I I got it immediately." Um, Lucy permanently joins the one eighteen. Buck hits on Lucy, and I have Athena commits a crime. So I have four so far. I have two right now. Um, one of them is that Lucy and Buck is teased. Um, it's more than teased, and <laughs> um, that Buck and Taylor move in together. Technically, I could have more, as I was just saying, but I'm holding off on them. I'm waiting. Can I I also say that Athena talking to this woman about her mother-in-law did allow the episode to pass the Bechdel test. (laughs) 
wait, we so I said we were gonna implement segments. Let's start a segment. Um, does the episode pass the Bechdel test? It does. It does. This one does because Athena talks to the uh, woman who I don't know the name of about their mother-in-law, which means that there are more than one woman. They have a conversation about something that's not a man. Um, also, Lone Star does pass the Bechdel test because Tommy and Catherine do talk about other things other than Owen or men. Like being dead. <laughs> hey. Okay. And now we're in the A plot, which is what everyone was here for in the first place. God, I just want to say I don't like Ryan Guzman at all. I am in love with Eddie Diaz. I would do anything for him. That's <laughs> very that's... unfortunate. It's Here's so unfortunate. about uh, Eddie, Gu- Eddie Guzman. Oh, hold on. Eddie... <laughs> <laughs> about, about Ryan Guzman. Um, his acting skills, at least like with facial, always on point. That man understands the assignment every single time. And so it really brings Eddie to life because in one episode, you can have Eddie being complete goofball. Uh, and then in this episode, you can have Eddie looking so hurt and betrayed after two. Like he looked like a goofball when he was talking to Bobby. You see that change because Ryan's just really good at controlling his emotions. That's all I'm going to give him. Okay. So um, we start with Eddie. We see a montage of him at work. <laughs> did you see the edit that somebody did where it's nine to five? No. Did you send it to me? I don't know. I'll find it. Um, if you didn't, I don't know if it was on Twitter or TikTok. That's why I don't. I'll find it. Um, anyways, somebody edited the edit or somebody edited the montage to the song Nine to Five by Dolly Parton. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just a montage of him at work. We find out that he uh, has been getting cooking tips from Linda. He works out in the morning more than he, he used to do his like PT thing with Chris. Now he like jogs on the sprints on the treadmill. I don't know. He's, he's working pretty hard on we that. We also find out that him and May have this cute little friendship where she tells him about the word of the day and he gets really excited about it. <laughs> I, I can definitely see May and Eddie playing Wordle together. Oh my god. And Eddie just getting really annoyed because he can't figure it out, but May gets after like two tries. I, I just think it's so fun. And then we find out that Eddie's job is that he runs the LAFD <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> my heart, my soul. When when Ryan posted that photo back in December and it was what the bird, we were all like party? we were all like, what is this? And I remember saying something along the lines like, LOL, like what if it's Twitter? But I didn't know like how it would connect to Eddie at all, so I dropped it. Should have kept it. I should have kept it. But here's the thing: this man in my head is horrible at technology, and so putting him in charge of the Twitter account, funniest thing. I think the LEFD Twitter handle is disgusting. <laughs> By the way, who made it? The city. It's L, asterisk A, asterisk F. Asterisk D asterisk underscore updates, maybe. I don't know if the second word is. It's it, not as disgusting uh, as first. the beginning. So um yeah, Eddie is working the most mundane job in the world. He looks like he is having a terrible time. Looks like he has not I've said this same phrasing so many times. He looks like he hasn't slept in like ten years. Yeah. He looks terrible. He does. He does. 
and you, you can see in the montage that he is not sleeping. Yeah, he's very clearly sitting awake in the middle of the night. And we know that this is leading to an imminent breakdown. And yeah. I am unfortunately very excited to watch him break down. I am also very excited for this breakdown. Um, never- and I- Here's the thing. We're in Eddie's bratty phase. And I do enjoy it. And I call it his bratty phase. Because... He's like the little kid that does everything that their parents ask him to do. And in this case, he's doing this for Christopher. And then when Christopher says, I didn't ask you to quit, like you could still be a firefighter. Eddie's like, okay, boom. Screw screw Twitter. Screw all of that. I'm going to be a firefighter again. Yeah. So uh, he he does his little, his little thing. And then um, on one of his little mundane days, of his, his nine to five, um, <laughs> there there's a there's a truck bombing oh my god um there's a there's a truck with a bomb attached to it and he hops on the dispatch and he says guys i know about bombs he says he says i know about bombs let me help and he helps and then josh says eddie no 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 don't do that i listen josh was in the right it's he his made- job. It's his, it's literally yeah. his job to say, so Eddie, sit in- on your stupid little computer and stay in- on Twitter. In season three, we have Eddie getting really mad at Buck for not understanding the chain of command. We have that whole scene during the lawsuit. Wait, I have a question. I have an answer. <laughs> so, uh, Eddie's job is to sit on the LAFD Twitter and write about, like, traffic updates and stuff. And, like, don't go down this road. I, You know? Stuff uh, like I- that. I also think it's he gets phone calls as well. But yeah. I, I believe that. Um, you're telling me nobody wanted to know anything about why the entire highway was shut down. Yeah. Eddie, you abandoned your post. You can't do that. But okay, so Josh literally comes up to him. He says, hey, Paul, next time you need to talk to me. And he has a very stern reaction about it. And that's because Josh and Eddie are friends. And he knows that if he is like, hey, Eddie, like, you can't do that. Eddie's not going to take him seriously. Eddie's going to walk all over him. But Josh, in that moment, did what he had to do. And he put Eddie in his place. Now, Josh is still at fault for the whole Claudette thing. Like, he can't see past his nose about that. But he is right about this. The delivery <laughs> have not been, the like, the friendliest. But it had to be done. Uh. And then we're going to skip forward a little bit in the episode. You know what Eddie does? He gets invited to the bar with his friends. Woo! Oh my god. And then he only does, doesn't, doesn't go. Or he doesn't go. He shows up and then he goes, mm. You no. have um, a good old Dear and Hansen um, scene of waving through the window. On the outside. I always look Will but, I ever be more than But oh, he, he really is. He's on the outside. Like, that's what the episode's called. It's outside looking in. But he's literally, he feels like he doesn't, like, he's in this liminal space between being a dispatcher, because he's not that, and being a firefighter, because he's not that. And he doesn't know who he is. He's having, like, a Jean Valjean moment. A lot of musical references here. And he just, like, goes home, and he just sits in his kitchen, all quiet. And he asks if he woke up Chris I don't know why he thinks he woke up Chris. He's literally doing nothing. He is sitting in absolute he's like, silence in his kitchen. And Chris like, comes oh, in and he's like, I'm sorry, buddy, up. did I wake you? <laughs> Babe, no, you just you... in the kitchen. You definitely did not wake him up. You were not moving. 
um, I'd like to talk about the staging of the bar scene really fast because Eddie comes in and uh, he's asked, he says, are you with the firefighters? And um, mm-hmm. it, it goes to the firefighters and the only one who is lit is Buck. Yeah. Mm, that means something buck who's laughing buck who's having fun so i think in eddie's head he's thinking buck must be having a terrible experience without me if he wants me back so badly and then he sees that buck is laughing and buck is having fun and buck is being buck without him and he kind of has this moment of i am nothing in this they they moved on And so then he has a kitchen mini breakdown where Chris was like, I didn't want you to stop being a firefighter, Dad. You're stupid. I just wanted, I just, you need to be safe. I, I do love Christopher's thing of like, yeah, it's scary, but you're brave, so I can be brave too. I think that was very cute. Chris and- is the smartest person on this entire show. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and I, I think he needed to have a conversation with Chris. He kind of just, he makes choices for, on Chris's behalf, trying to think, like, this will be the best thing for my son. And when he quit the 118, he didn't sit down with Chris. He sat down with Carla, which, you know, is good as well. But I feel like if he had sat down with Chris and said, do you want me to quit? He would. Okay, so um, he has this conversation with Chris in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, we see uh, Eddie go back to Bobby and he's like Bobby please let me back in the 118 and Bobby says dude you you look like shit (laughs) please help um and literally this scene I I did make an edit of this because it directly parallels Buck with the lawsuit so perfectly where both of them just want their job back and Bobby's like dude you you can't have it back yet you need to wait till you're better and they go you know what fuck you see here's the biggest difference between bobby's a captain and owen as a captain owen was pushing paul paul said i want to come back and owen said okay let's get you back even though it was still very bad for his health versus bobby who said mental health goes hand in hand we need to make sure that you're well physically mentally and maybe spiritually if that's your your thing And basically, um, this whole scene, so it does parallel the um, lawsuit scene really well, but um, Eddie is being very, he's being very mean to Bobby. Like, at least Buck, like, whenever he found out that Bobby was the one keeping him from being on the 118 again because he didn't think that he was fit because of the blood thinners, he left, and then he did file a lawsuit, but he didn't, like, yell at Bobby about it. Eddie really straight up went, you have a hundred bodies on you. And can we talk about some of those 100 bodies? Three of them are his his wife and children. Uh, Eddie, you did, that was uncalled for. I, I want you to imagine this. Someone who you, like, you look up to as a person um, and that you admire uh, and you just walk up to them and you remind them of that time they killed their wife, their son, and their daughter and, <laughs> and about a hundred other people. And about a hundred other people. And then, because Eddie doesn't know this, but we know this as the audience from the outside looking in. Um, we know that Bobby was planning, trigger warning, of course, uh, to kill himself after he saved a hundred and some people. It's, yeah. It's just wild that he just threw that back. Like, I understand 
Eddie has anger issues. He did join a fight club once, and that's a very prominent part of his character is that he doesn't know how to control his emotions. He doesn't have, like, an outlet for them, and, um, it, it, but that, that seems like you're trying to get back on the 118, and Bobby says, no, go to a therapist, and you say, you know what? You You killed 100 people. Go to hell. First, first he says, you know what? I'm just gonna go to another house. I don't need you. And Bobby goes, you're gonna need a reference, and he goes, Fuck you, Bobby. I'm gonna. You killed a hundred people. Go to hell. (laughs) You. That's that's a really bad way to get your job back. Um, like, look, Eddie and Buck don't understand how like job getting works. Um, no. uh, Buck sues the whole city. Uh, it's a miracle that he was able to get back to where he was. Um, and then Eddie totally just said. Yeah, hey, remember remember this horrible thing? Yeah, fuck you. Um, so the main difference I think between the scenes, because they are very similar, a lot of people think that uh Buck was right with the lawsuit. And I'm not uh, I'm not part of that little Yeah, what what it's Buck is right with the lawsuit and Eddie was wrong with this fight, right? That's what a lot of people are going with here, because a lot of people think Eddie does need therapy, but a lot of people think that Buck should be let back in the 118 on blood thinners and i think the biggest disparity between these two arguments and why people see them different way even though as i said they are the essentially the same argument that we're having here that you are unfit to go back to service so just hold on a fucking second um is that um we are informed in the scene with eddie that bobby has already had this conversation with him and that eddie already knows all of this stuff and that he's aware that he needs to be fit mentally and physically and all of this stuff to be able to come back. That's why he left, because he felt it wasn't fit, and this is the conversation they had when he left. Mm -hmm. Whereas Buck was unaware that the conversation was happening. And I think that's where the disparity comes from, because it's just thrown on him at dinner, and he doesn't know what to do. And as we've established, he has a bad rap with he has commitment a bad, issues like bad reaction when it comes to people sounding like people betray him and it's neither of their faults really they do have a lot of stuff going on but they should work on that and figure out how to deal with it which is hopefully what's going to happen with the rest of the season i i just want them to go to couples therapy i read a fic like that once it was funny um but they didn't know each other they were just two strangers going to couples therapy. That's fun. I just, I think it just, I can't wait to see Frank. I absolutely adore Frank. Um, and I think I adore him and a lot of other characters more than like the common person, uh, like the common viewer, because I write them. And so I'm like, wow, I really know Frank, even though we know absolutely nothing about Frank. I know a lot about my Frank. So I'm about, that, I, I've said my piece on the, uh, the argument. Do you have anything else to say? Um... I mean, I could go in about why I think Buck was in the wrong legally, uh, but I think we've talked about it before on this podcast. But I think at the end of the day, we just have to remember that being a firefighter is very hard on you mentally, physically, spiritually in Bobby's case, um, and it's a very taxing job. And it's kind of, it is addicting like you have this whole 
um, idea that I'm saving people, like, it's very easy to get a hero complex with it. <laughs> hero complex, you said. <laughs> and with both, uh, when, when Buck um, gets fired for the first time in uh, season one, episode one, the pilot, he says, like, this is all I have, uh, which you could compare to Tony Stark taking away the suit. Like, if you are nothing without the job, then you shouldn't do it. Like, go figure yourself out first. And that's kind of like Eddie's MO right now where he feels like he's nothing without the job, but he's a father and he's a friend and he's all these other things, but he has kind of just become fixated on, I am a firefighter and I'm nothing without the firefighter. All right. I feel like that is a solid place to end it. Yeah. You know what? I I, I gotta say it. I think taking notes and having a plan of what we're talking about really (laughs) helped. Okay, so here are the segments, guys, that we're planning to implement. Please call us out if we don't. The Bechnel test, um, the writer and director, and A plots, B plots, C plots, A, D plots. I think it'll really help us in the long run if we start organizing our thoughts. Yeah. Especially because we have, like, a whole summer hiatus, and we didn't really do much over the winter one, um, but we do have a whole entire summer one, which is longer. Yes. Um, there's, le- there's less school over the summer <laughs> so okay well thank you for listening as always we do have an email where you can send us emails you can be like Susie and sending us like your thoughts on the episodes like your own personal thoughts and we will read them and talk about them um, or you can just say hey I do not agree with you that Buck was in the wrong uh, you, you can you can send us you anything. can send us those I do I know a lot of people disagree with me on that, uh, but you you can send it that that, that uh, brownie copy pasta that's going around on TikTok in the comments. Send us the brownie recipe. I don't care. I li- I like any emails. It's a the fun what? little treat for me. Have you not seen it? No. And if you go into comments on uh like big creators TikToks, all you're either gonna see people mocking the brownie recipe or you're gonna see the brownie recipe. It's it's just a brownie recipe. That's all it is. Can someone send that to us? The um the comment is like, okay, cool. Anyways, here's a brownie recipe, and then it's just a recipe. <laughs> and you'll see comments mocking it, and they'll be like, here's the brownie recipe in like the SpongeBob meme font. <laughs> um, can someone just send us that, please? Yeah. Um, literally, like, send us whatever you want. Thoughts about any of the episodes. Thoughts about shows that we haven't talked about because we have plans to do episodes on like movies and shows and stuff that aren't 911 like whenever 911 isn't happening and we just don't we because we typically get busy um yeah we both really want to watch the Paddington series um if you are a longtime listener of us um we have you'll, def- you'll remember the like second episode we definitely have talked about Paddington multiple times on this show and I can't wait. I can't wait for Taylor to move in and we get close-ups of things. I, it's Paddington. If they show me a little boy with a baseball hat, I'm going to be like, who's that? I know his parents didn't take photos of him. It's Paddington. Um, it's Paddington. Yeah, let us know what you want us to talk about. Let us know your thoughts and opinions. Let us know if you hate us, if you like us. Um, We like to hear it. It's um, delamelpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, well, we will see you when we see you. Oh, follow us on TikTok, too. Oh, follow us on TikTok. Do that. <laughs> All right, uh see you later. Bye. Bye.